What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here, dropping another Data Protection Gumbo episode for you today. And I have the pleasure of speaking with Kimberly Bates, Managing Director and Analyst at Evaluator Group. And Kimberly is the Managing Director of an awesome team of data storage analysts, and she's been in and out of the storage industry since the IBM 3350 and 3380 direct access storage device. Yeah, that's that's been quite some time. So Gumbo listeners, Kimberly discusses the rise of compute as a service, her view of multi-cloud data management technologies, and also her thoughts on ransomware. So let's get right into it. Kimberly, how are you today? I am fabulous. Glad to have you on the show and to have a different perspective from some of the other strict techie people. You know, we're reaching out into analyst land, so I'm really curious to get your perspective. So how about starting us off on telling the Gumbo listeners a little bit about the Evaluator Group and what it is and what makes it different from some of the other analyst firms, if you don't mind. We're a boutique analyst firm. We um, often talk about us being an inch wide and a mile deep on all things data storage and information management. So a bunch of engineers here that love to get their fingers dirty. We've got a full-fledged lab here that we test things in. But the other big piece of us is that we um, deal with the end users. We have a client base that's like the global 500. Uh, folks that are customers of ours and um, that trust us with their decisions on information management and data storage. Okay, great. So you guys are not just uh, talking heads. You you have the technical capability to go deep on the technology. And um, I've also picked up that you, you have some some pretty cool and awesome technical skills as well and can kind of go to bat with some of the some of the great ones. So I'm ready to dive into into some more questions here with you. Go for it. So just talking a little bit about, I guess, as more companies are moving to remote working solutions, you know, as a result of COVID-19, and we can get into that a little bit later on. But right now, you know, increased cloud spending and also a thing that I am not as familiar with, but, but the name says it all, compute as a service. Right. And so why is it important for Gumbo listeners to understand what CAS is or compute as a service is? Okay, so compute as a service can be seen in a couple different perspectives. The what way we cover compute as a service is we look at it as where you are actually what you're buying is just strictly the service of your entire infrastructure stack. Um, networking, server storage device and you're paying a consumption price to to the vendor trues up on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis and they're also managing that entire environment so it's a bit like an outsourcing kind of environment um, and the reason why customers are looking at it is because they're wanting to look at more of an opex kind of acquisition of these systems Mm-hmm. Okay. And definitely OPEX is the trend that we've been seeing. Uh, people have been really pulling back from CapEx and plunging more on the OPEX side to try to squeeze out every every penny <laughs> that well, they can. 
We are seeing that, but that's not an. That's not. I wouldn't take that in saying they're all moving to opex. We're still okay. seeing, even in the late, latest studies that we've done on the the COVID nineteen that we released, that round two is that they're still capex is still very strong, but you know there is this trend to add more, go more towards the opex space. Okay. And I think CAS is is beyond just an OPEX, CAPEX decision, because what they're doing is they're putting some of the responsibilities for the infrastructure to that third party, you know, whether that's an IBM or DXC or Dell, HPE, those kind of things. Okay, great, great. So you're saying don't discount hardware, right? Because as we add more and more systems, more data, the cloud gets bigger. What Mm -hmm. runs those, right? right? Hardware. Uh, what about, I guess, you do follow information management and, and data storage and cloud, you know, all of those industries, you, you follow them pretty closely. So what are you seeing on the multi-cloud data management technology front that you think the Gumbo listeners would would uh, or should be aware of? Yeah, so multi-cloud data management, what that we call that is a, a discipline about how do you manage the data, which is, as you know, is, is, is very weighty. Um, whether or not it's in the cloud, public cloud, or whether or not it's on-prem, and what are the things that they should be doing. The reason why I think your listeners should be definitely interested is some of the tools that are being used, which is like a catalog, those kind of things of knowing where my data is, is coming from your data protection side of the house. Um, Uniquely, Mm -hmm. data protection creates these great catalogs of information um, both on who's using the data, how it's being used, all that metadata information, and they've been gathering it. So you'll see some of these vendors um, coming out with things that give them this much broader perspective about where things are. And I think also maybe the data protection people can think of themselves as being maybe a little bit more of a um, the conservatory for that data management than they have in the past. Oh, I, I like that. The conservatory mm-hmm. of that data. Yeah, we, we might use that for a title, but maybe <laughs> I'll save it for the next time. So we mentioned a little bit about COVID and it's actually one of the elephants in the room or the, or the, or the virtual room, as I like to say. What do you think has been Enterprise IT's response to COVID-19 thus far? So we've done two studies on what's happened with COVID and IT's responses. So, And um, there's one that we did immediately when things got shut down in, and did survey and interviews in March, April timeframe. And then we did another one that was September, October, and is released in the fourth quarter of 2020. Um, to see, you know, okay, so this is what's been happening. This is what's now, you know, has anything really changed? And the biggest thing that we saw hit them, the big thing that hit them, and this is known in news, but it's the cybersecurity yeah. just massively pounded on them. Um, in fact, the numbers, when I was, um, I sit on a council, secret service sponsors for each state talked about how it, the cybersecurity was up, hits were up 30%. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Um, just tremendous. So there was a lot of things they had to do to button down and shore up the the space. I mean, it's in your place. So, I mean, I'm sure you saw it as well with the folks that you work with. Yeah, ra- ransomware. I have conversations every week about ransomware. And did you know every 14 seconds there's a ransomware attack? No, I did not. Most folks don't know it, but that was one stat that stuck with me and I like to use it now. So it's a great conversation starter. You can use it now. So 14 seconds, boom, another ransomware attack. Not saying that it's a good thing, but 
it's something we all should be aware of because it's not a matter of if it'll happen, it's when it's going to happen, right? So you mentioned the Secret Service. I think that's uh, pretty fantastic that, that you... So, so you sit on a user group that interfaces with the Secret Service? Yeah, it's a user group. I think what the government is trying to do is make sure people are educated. So in that group, it's a user group, there are people from the vendor side of the house, there are the end user people, and then there is the police officers, local police, um, and then the, the federals are on there. And they publish on a weekly basis what the attacks have been, the advisories on there, and then once a quarter they get together and share information. It's a lot of web security people, so it's less of the data protection side of the house. They're more talking about how to stop it, but um, it still is It's very eye-opening to the kind of things that our data protection people have got to do in order to make sure that they can recover from um, any kind of ransomware situation. Okay, so I guess if it was a secret group, then you, you wouldn't be men- mentioning it here. No, <laughs> not <laughs> at all. I guess if someone was interested in joining, is it like open membership? Or you have to be invited from a friend who knows a friend who knows a friend. Um, I believe it has to be a recommendation from somebody that's already on there, and I'm not sure how they vet. Um, I had somebody that's in the web security business um, and put my name up and okay and so however they went through the process but back when we could meet face to face you had to submit your your um, social security number in order to get into the meetings so whatever they did to inspect you yeah so some type of uh backdoor checking of the social security number to make sure everything is clean and then uh, interfacing mm-hmm. with uh some of the guys who, who are out there creating the the ransomware as a service kits etc yep <laughs> yes. Ransomware as a service, RAS. Yes. It's a thing. That is a thing. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit too. But before we do that, I'm wondering about the state of the IT initiatives that you know COVID-19 has really spun most, well, literally everybody into containers, right? Container application workloads. Is there a little bit that you can share about what you have seen from just a container perspective or is it not much to share there? Well, it's it's coming. Okay. So what I'll say about with with COVID, what happened initially, everything got buttoned down, and everybody said, "Okay, so what are we going to do?" And then as we came into the fall, you could see some of the money starting to free up, and they were looking at and where the money was going is what I would call this funny phrase called digital transformation. <laughs> so okay. let's tra- let's follow the money, right? So digital transformation is looking at what are all the new ways that I need to. If I'm a company, I'm interacting with my customer. And that has to do with user interfaces. It has to do with customer data, et cetera. And it's a lot of web. So where does that go with the, the container piece of it? What that means is they're putting money into these new ways of doing business. And those new ways of doing business are tending to go being using container development with the DevOps um, for these new workloads. So we're just... You know, the amount of container applications out there is pretty small, but, you know, this, think of it as VMs being 10 years ago, right, where we were with virtualization. And the last people on the block to figure out they needed to do something seemed to be the data guys and the data protection guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're a little bit faster on this this year, this time around. Um, we're seeing a whole lot more activity in container data protection um, early on than we were on the virtualization 10 years yeah. ago. So maybe we'll get in front of it. Okay. Yeah. The data guys, you know, we are 
you know, we like to sit back and protect things and not necessarily get go outside of the, the front gate and look for trouble. You know, we don't really want trouble to happen. We want to, you know, try to keep things backed up and protected. And if trouble happens, then we got to cover it. We'll, we'll give you a recovery, right? So, you know, I'm one of those data guys and I have seen some innovation happen uh, pretty quickly, especially on the container side and being able to, you know, protect microservices and like Kubernetes and Docker and things like that. So it, it's definitely gained a lot of momentum and data protection and backup and storage guys are kind of waking up now to see that maybe I should learn some of those technologies. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, Kimberly. What about from a VDI perspective, virtual desktop infrastructure? What are you seeing there? So you saw that when we went into lockdown, um, IT was rapidly trying to set up VDIs. Mm -hmm. um, they initially, a lot of those were set up in the public cloud. And then as um, things settle down, what they've been doing over the last maybe six months is trying to figure out, okay, so we are in the new normal. We are here for a long period of time. VDI is the road to protecting remote desktop access um, and securing the environment. So they're now, what they've been doing is we've been seeing, they've been looking at, do I do this on-prem? Um, so that, that is a place that there's quite a bit of investment still going on. Um, it's possibly to bring those VDI instances back to and standing up on premise. And, and then I think what we're going to see those look like is those are going to be like hyper-converged environments or some sort of converged system because they're easier to manage as a, a single unit. This will bring more protection to the company um, and, you know, from um, outside miscreants coming in and trying to hack. <laughs> yeah, which will always be a thing, right? We'll, 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 we will always have someone on the outskirts um, trying to do some nefarious things around the data, especially because we're, we're more of a data data driven world now. And, you know, we have computers in our hands and in our fingertips and everything seems to boil down to, you know, being connected to this thing called the Internet. Right. So that brings us to hybrid hybrid cloud and dealing with multiple clouds and all of the private and public clouds that you know people create and deal with. I think I read some. Well, I read some numbers about how massively, um, I guess, increasing Google Cloud and Microsoft Azure. The numbers just on how their cloud revenues are are just growing. It's crazy. Have you seen some of that stuff? We have. Again, we call it, the public cloud has been um, has really definitely picked up speed. The actual on-premise cloud infrastructure development which I would consider kind of the hybrid piece of it versus multi-hybrid multi cloud. It's slowed down slightly because of the infrastructure purchase, but it's a whole lot easier for them to spin up um, the public cloud. And again, that could have been driven by the need to support the VDI infrastructures, um, but it's also this, you know, the DevOps environment and the development is faster and speedier to, to spin that area up up there. It's still, you know, I so weary just saying the public cloud is taking over everything because it, when we look at the data center, you know, what is on-prem versus up in the public cloud, we're still in somewhere around an 80-20 um, split. So it's, you know, as, as we started out by saying is the hardware is still important, software and on-premise is still very important when we, especially when we talk, you know, data, so data sovereignty and some of the regulate, regulated industries we have. Now you're talking data sovereignty, compliance, regulations, GDPR. Oh, my. 
Oh my. <laughs> there's, a, there's a ton of stuff that we have to be worried about. And you know what? I actually think that data protection and backup and storage guys are some of the smartest, you know, people in the room because we have to be privy, you know, to all of those different things, right? Uh, the rules and regulations, the laws and how to protect it, where to put it, how can we recover it. So that's why I really feel we're sort of in a sweet spot right now. And just imagine, you know, the next couple of years from now, two to five years from now, how artificial intelligence and machine learning um, will start to increase and end up being, you know, more threaded into some of these technologies. Like I've already seen, you know, several backup vendors already roll out uh, solutions, I guess, from a ransomware perspective that has, you know, AI and ML heuristic capabilities built into them. What are you seeing, uh, I guess, from an, from an artificial intelligence and, and machine learning perspective? We expect um, AI and ML to pro proliferate throughout all of the technologies. Um, what that's going to enable the IT to do is go on to do things that take more thought process than every day-to-day -day activity. Also, to be able to look at the amount of data that's coming through and make some decisions based upon the trending of that information. Um, so we're seeing the detection going on to say, hey, there's some unusual detection here. Please go take a look at it. Is this something we should be doing something about? Um, particularly, you know, in your file access kind of environment. Um, so yes, this is going to continue to grow. Now, the interesting thing about it is where you'll get that is usually in the from a cloud or as a service offering with that vendor. And um, but the implications of that are, is, is that if you have to have your maintenance contract with them. So if you, you know, on a data protection software typically, but you know, for instance, I was talking to a client the other day that they wanted to go to a third party maintenance because they're box is about five years old. But if they do that, they lose their as a service AI ML offering. So there's a catch, there's a catch point on there. Mm, okay. I guess it's smart to have some type of uh, catch point on there as far as, um, you know, changing, changing a license agreement or a service or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I want to go back to the word that we that we all love, digital transformation, right? And the the impact of of COVID nineteen on digital transformation. I'm I'm just curious, you know, it, is digital transformation a real thing from your perspective? You know, how do you view that? And I guess what's your definition of digital transformation? So I would ask the um, before I define it, the end people that are listening to that as a consumer. Mm -hmm. How are you expecting to interact with your vendors? More and more, we're asking them to provide it to a, to provide whatever service they're in a, in a digital format. And so the user interfaces, the information that's delivered there, um, fundamentally is changing, especially as we get into this lockdown environment. We stay in this lockdown environment. That has spawned more thinking about how do we do things differently? And um, from everything from, you know, how you interact with your refrigerator to um, the cars and healthcare, et cetera. So is it a real thing? Absolutely. Um, and if anything, this lockdown that we've experienced um, 
has moved this thing even faster because we've realized where the gaps are in terms of being able to communicate and work with somebody. Yeah, and I, I've referred to digital transformation just from the term of Ready Player One. Have you seen that movie? Yes. I love it because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think the year was, what, 2035? Yeah, I it think was so, some, yeah. Some, yeah, it was way out in the future. Not that far. And Right, yeah, because if, if we continue on the same path we're on now, where you have more people not respecting Mother Earth, and just taking, taking, taking from her instead of, you know, really being cognizant and of what we're actually doing, you know, to the earth and the ozone and, you know, all of those different types of things that we could end up in a situation like that because technology is, you know, b- becoming a, uh, a thread that's weaved into all of the things that we're doing now. What is your approach to the protection against ransomware? Do you have a certain solution or technology or philosophy around it that you would like to leave the gumbo listeners? Well, I think they already know three, two, one, right? Yeah, probably. Yes. um, Right. (laughs) I'm sure they are. And so that is the basic, you know, number one space and to go back and make sure that you have that implemented um, thoroughly across all of your environments. I'm not going to belabor that Mm -hmm. piece of it. Um, The second piece of that is probably is looking at something that's dealing with more of a um, continuous data protection environment for your critical environments um, and protecting in that manner. So probably taking another inventory of your systems, um, looking at them and saying, do we have enough protection here? Understanding that you've got to think about sleeper ransomware being in your systems for over 13 months and that, so they can and and they're also going through and they are they are attacking data protection systems. So even if you think you've done discipline, you've got the discipline down pat. You know they're going to go stick something in there and saying, okay, so you get an Easter egg popping up at you. You know, eighteen months later, and all of a sudden you don't have a backup to go to, so you have no choice. So. Moving on to, I guess, back to COVID-19 and I guess the impact that COVID-19 has had on us as individuals and, you know, IT staff in general, Uh, work from home is now the new normal and uh, VDI has exploded because of that. Um, Is there anything else that you see as a result of COVID-19 impacting uh, the IT staff, maybe around training or, you know, some, some other some other thing that, that, that you see? I think as they have ramped up a digital transformation, um, as you've got containers coming in, as you add in more tools to automate the systems, um, the staff will be shifting over into some new areas. Um, I really think it's important that our data guys start thinking of themselves as data managers, not just storage managers. Um, and what that if you put that hat on and say, okay, so what does that mean? How does that, how do I bring value to the organization as a manager and um, curator again of the data and what we're using it? Understanding the value of the data now is often not understood. So there's this save everything and save all forever um, in case they might need it later on. 
Um, yeah, there's regulations that say I'm going to want to get rid of some of the data at certain times, but as we get into more of machine learning kind of take technologies or digital transformation technologies, perhaps that data becomes very valuable and we're going to want that data. So you become a, again, a curator of the information. Curator of the information. There's another another term. I just latch on to these phrases and it's like, huh, what am I going to name this episode? <laughs> <laughs> so that that's another good one. I appreciate you continuing to drop those uh, those those phrases and nuggets for me. So one last thing before we roll into the closing gumbo question, I guess uh, we haven't spoken about IT budgets and I guess how they are affected and, you know, I guess around technology procurement, et cetera. What are you seeing on that front? Are you seeing budgets being impacted more or less and how is procurement affected? So budgets got slammed, <laughs> shut down. I'm not going to spend anything until I figure out what I really need to spend on. So your business justification um, for whatever purchases you're having, you're going to, you know, recommending um, takes some new scrutiny. You know, whether or not I'm looking at total cost of ownership and am doing an upgrade or which is there are a lot of the upgrades are on hold. Um, you're going to get, everybody's going to be asking for more information, more data around it. They are making the investments and, you know, the, in, in some sense, the big companies are saying, okay, so if I make the investments today, I can take a competitive advantage because if my competitor is not doing that, you know, I, I come out of this thing much stronger. Um, that's a, a phenomenal fabulous concept that you know the CEOs and COOs are adopting in terms of how do you manage through the COVID. If I've got cash, let me invest it in those things that I know is going to have a significant return on the investment in the company. So those justifications become critical. Again, thinking of yourself as a data manager and not as just a hardware person. The other thing I know is that um, the security budget is still getting spent on. Data protection budget had had money spent on it early on. Most of those have been buttoned down now as they've gone through their business continuity practices and said, do we have everything in place? Um, so we're seeing it's not as free flowing as it was maybe you know five months ago, but there's money to be had here um, and got to make your business case to, to push yeah. it up the ladder. Cash is king. So if, if you have cash, then hang on to it. Because you're definitely going to need it. We're not out of the woods yet, and we still don't quite know when we will all be sitting back, sipping a, a pumpkin spice latte, laughing at the fact that we went through this thing called COVID-19. So, yeah, it's been great having you on, but I want to I wanna hit you with this non-technical question, and I call it the closing gumbo question. What would you tell your 16-year-old self if you had an opportunity to travel back in time to secretly change your destiny? You know, the funny thing about it is I probably would have moved into the security technology world <laughs> because oh, I really love the security technology world. Um, you know, but even when I, you know, my 16-year-old self wasn't even thinking about that much of computers when I was running, you know, looking at where, where I was going to go and what I was going to do. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, try a lot of things out. And, um, you know, don't be judgmental of, you know, mistakes um, or failures um, because mm -hmm. they're only opportunities to think, hey, that didn't work, but other things will, and they always will. 
things will always work out. And one of my friends, she, I love this phrase, be curious. Just be curious, where is this going? So when you get hit with something, and you know, that was my thing in March when this all started happening. It's kind of like, you know, be curious. Is, is there a way that you would like uh, the Gumbo listeners to maybe reach out to you on social media like Twitter or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. I'm Camberly Bates. That's C-A-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y Bates. Please reach out to me and say you heard me on Gumbo and we'll connect. Um, and my Twitter handle is Camberly B. I'm not on there that much. Um, I'm definitely on LinkedIn all the time. So, Okay. Well, it's definitely been a pleasure having you on Data Protection Gumbo. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I've learned a lot. And uh, I, I can't wait until it goes live to see what the response is going to be. So thank you for coming on the show, Camberly. And thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.